Hey y'all and welcome back. It's your girl Abby with Daniela and that was stupid. Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Restart. Okay. Rewind and refresh. (laughs) Sometimes you just, you picture it, you know, how it's going to come out. Just does it, just does it work. Not with that tone. (laughs) Hey guys, it's your girl. No. (laughs) No, we have never been. (laughs) Perhaps I've hit the cartridge too many times whilst waiting. (laughs) Oh shit. It's It's the holidays. It's your elf on a shelf, Abby and I might as well have done that, honestly. I know, that's what it... Mm-hmm. I feel like a damn elf on a shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I wish somebody would move me around every once in a while. So I don't have to Are get up myself. Hijinks everywhere? Isn't that such a blast? Well, for the children, not for the adults. Oh, God, they have to clean it up after? Dude, um, this lady that <laughs> I know was talking about the elf on shelf, she's like, my kids, she's like, I want to do it for them so bad, but I just don't, I know I'm going to forget to move the fucker Fuck. and I'm not going to do like extravagant things where they make a mess and shit because then I have to clean it up. Right. She's like, right. so what I did was I got one of those, like the fisheye lens, like that you can add to your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, she glued that onto an ornament and she put, uh, like, I guess with the cricket or whatever, she printed out the, the acrylic, the vinyl words, Santa cam on the ornament. Oh, neat. That's a creative idea. So it basically is the same idea. Like Santa's fucking watching you, but he's watching you from that fucking ornament. So that's cool. I like that. Yeah, that one's you don't have to move More shit around. It's just right there. I was really I was really thinking about that yesterday. Um whether parents even play along anymore with the whole Santa thing or you know, a lot of parents do, but they don't make it as immersive as you're describing with this cool idea that she had with the ornament. So I, mean, I just I'm wonder sure like what parents do nowadays. I'm <clears throat> sure there's still a good portion of people that do it, just not our generation. I, I just know. don't remember. I can't remember when I found out he wasn't real or if I ever knew he wasn't or was. Did Do you remember when you were younger? I think I was like in the fourth grade when I stopped believing. I don't remember ever believing, but I see. I have no idea. So. I did believe. My mom used to go over the top. Aw, like Santa's going to be here any day Well, she went to, like, this was in the 90s when there was not Pinterest and other, like, white ladies telling you how to do shit that's really cute. Mm -hmm. Um, She made fake Santa shoes, like, footprints. Oh, wow. With, like, fake snow. And um, she did something else. She did other shit. And then, of course, she'd eat the cookies or like take a bite of the cookies and shit and that is so sweet and y'all were like oh this is magical well she said the first time she did that um i i asked her why is there snow when there's no <laughs> snow outside of or i was like did. what the fuck is this white shit and she you was said, like this doesn't make snow. any sense 
And I'm like, where the fuck is there snow? (laughs) That is so So adorable. The second time that she did, I think she waited a couple years to do it again. uh, But this time she used uh, mud, like dirt. Cool. Well, that's that's so awesome when parents go above and beyond. Yeah, it's a lot of work. The commitment for this elf on a shelf is crazy. I don't recall. I mean, if anything, they would, you know, go all out with the decorations in the tree. Um, When it came to the gifts, I really don't think Santa was ever involved. It was like they worked hard and they got us gifts. So that's we just knew. We just knew because also there's the whole hiding of the gifts. They never played into that. You know, if there were gifts wrapped under the tree, they were already there. So we just kind of knew. Unless I'm really misremembering, I'm gonna have to ask my brother about some of this stuff. And you know, with with the kids joining in on things, it changes. So I'm I'm sure your mom changed up some stuff when your brother was born. Yeah. Tried mm-hmm. new stuff. We only ever had one gift from Santa. Like everything else was from our parents. But we were we're Mexican, so we celebrated on the 24th, and the yes. 25th is when we got Santa's present. I'm so glad you brought up being Mexican because I also remember other things being involved during the month. Um, we don't, we never celebrated the the twelve days of, um, you know, where you do the nativity. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where they find the, the baby Jesus? Yes. Did y'all ever do any that of that shit. stuff? My grandma Isn't did. Isn't that cool? When we were little, they would traditions, man. Yes, and like Comstock's little, so she, her, and all her church ladies would literally walk through the streets doing this posada, and we would have to wait until she was fucking done to open gifts and eat and shit. So by the time we were mm-hmm. ready to do shit, it was midnight. Mm, but yeah, nice. it was that was my childhood. Like that was we had to wait for her to come back. We'd go to church, and then they do that, and then mm-hmm. we'd have to wait. Man, yeah, Christmas just had such a different vibe. And yeah, depending on which family members, uh, if it was the same ones every year or if you would switch back and forth, we would switch between my dad's family and my mom's. So just different customs get, or, you know, parts of the customs get, you know, passed down. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I bet in Mexico, I bet it's so beautiful during Christmas and everyone's, you know, a lot more community involved with those kinds of holidays. I was told that in Puerto Rico... The whole neighborhood, like everybody's doors are open on a certain day of the week. Mm-hmm. Everybody leaves their door open and they play music and walk through the streets. And then you stop house by house and you eat together, oh, sing and dance. And then you nice. move to the next house. I'm so sorry, y'all, if there's any people from Puerto Rico that are like, that is not anything at all what it's like. But um, I don't remember what it's called. But yeah, culture is beautiful. It's really cool to learn about what people do around the world for different holidays. Yeah. That's why I get so annoyed with people getting mad that we say happy holidays. Because, I mean, it's not just Christmas that we celebrate. Yes, exactly. I had yeah. to sing in choir that song, that Kwanzaa song. I still know it to this day. What Kwanzaa song? It was like, Kwanzaa, omaja Kwanzaa, it's a joyous celebration. I never heard that song? that song? What? It's like, let's learn about the seven principles, spread no. the word across the We're nation. Wow. I guess in school. Um, in elementary damn. school. Um, oh, my gosh. You'll get a kick out of this one. One time I had to sing. You know how they do the little grocery store? They bring the little elementary kids to, like, sing at the grocery stores. 
I didn't I didn't know that was a thing. In either. Texas, I don't know if it's just in Texas or in certain schools or what, but whenever I was little they had they would carry us around whatever by bus and during the day we would go to the store and we would sing with the choir and um I was wearing these jingle bell Rudolph um antlers and they had like bells on them and so for one of the songs I took them off and started playing it like a tambourine and then my my teacher got a kick out of that so um my two other friends that I also gave antlers to we all like did it and it was really funny (laughs) why does that remind me I was exactly (laughs) you like that is (laughs) I can picture it oh goodness it was so funny but anyways yeah little Little performer Selena was my idol growing up. I, I don't know how many times I wrote her name down on the little paper that's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be like Selena. <laughs> and there so I am with cute. my little antlers. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Your antler <laughs> I cannot. Well, warm memories from Christmas. And that concludes that segment. I will <laughs> up now. Well, I'm glad that we've been talking about um, (laughs) Christmas and Santa because my topic this week is winter cryptids. Oh my, that is brilliant. It is, right? I thought of it while I was under the influence. Of course, because that's always the best. The best ideas just come out. It really, it was a really good idea. I'm not sure. The next day, I was like, "Holy shit, that's a!" Because I took a screenshot of my search, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Thinking that outside is the box. A really good idea. <laughs> a cryptid for the climate. That's perfect. I'm so excited. Yes. All right. So first on our list is the. The Nuck, oh fuck, the Nucklevy, the Nucklevy, that's right, okay. Mm. This is a winter monster from the Orkney Islands of Scotland. Mm. It's a type of demon. The Nucklevy is trapped in the sea for most of the year by the mither of the sea. Which I'm assuming is mother. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mother, mother. Hmm. Um, which is a powerful sea or a powerful female sea spirit. But during the winter, the Nuklavi emerges from the watery depths, and the beast has the appearance of a horse. Listen to this shit. So it has the appearance of a horse with the upper body of a man coming out of the middle of its back. Like if they're like, and the head of the man like part is three times too big and rolls back and forth and its arms are too long. So they drag on the ground Mm. and the legs of the creature have thin like appendages and the horse head has a gaping mouth and a single blood red eye. Now, to top all of this off, the creature has no skin. So all that can be seen on its surface is the powerful muscles and the pale sinew, 
with mm. black blood pulsating through yellow veins. That is terrifying. Yeah. And the horse mouth breathes a smelly, toxic vapor that causes crops to wilt and livestock and young folk to fall ill and drought follows in its wake. Maybe he's just ugly, like Spongebob. (laughs) (laughs) Um... The Nuklavi is so dangerous that traditionally its name was hardly ever spoken, whispered only in hushed tones that were quickly followed up by a prayer. If you see the creature, it will pursue you, and the only way to escape it is to cross a running body of fresh water. As a creature of the sea and of sickness, the Nuklavi cannot stand fresh water. And it was probably created for people to be able to explain the plague and troubles with the harvest. Mm. Yes. So I'll send you a picture of that thing. Great. I wonder if it'll... Here we go. Look at that. Here's what it looks like. The sinew. Just disturbing. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, God. The... Yeah, and I didn't picture the guy, the human head looking like that either, so. Yeah, I didn't yeah. either. That's a really The appendage part freaked me out too, so that's a good illustration there. We will put that on the Perfect. Instagram. <clears throat> I could just imagine it coming to the shore and like trying to flop its legs onto the ground. Oh, creepy. Oh my God. You've seen mm-hmm. Frozen 2? Yes. The seahorse that comes from the bottom of the water? Oh, I yeah, just yeah, picture yeah. this motherfucker coming out instead. Uh, I know. Ooh. Flopping its feet. Wait. Next is the Mahaha. Mahaha. <laughs> just wait. Our next monster is another demon, though the... Uh, oh... Though the death this one brings about is a bit sillier. Oh, now I got the email, Abby. (laughs) I was wondering if that was that. (laughs) Yep, that was it. Um, Okay, I'm going to just start over. So our next monster is another demon. Though the death this one brings is a bit sillier. So this is them, haha. And if you think that sounds like evil laughter, well, perhaps it is. The Mahaha is an Inuit myth, a thin but strong humanoid creature. It is ice blue in color, cold to the touch, with hair that is long and frozen stiff. It's shirtless and barefoot, being unbothered by the cold. An un An unnerving smile is plastered on its face, but the dangerous part of this monster is its long, bony fingers with long, sharp fingernails. The ice-cold Mahaha will tickle you to death. That's how it it does it. So its ice-cold victims are said to have died with their faces twisted in a frozen smile. Luckily for its victims, Mahaha is quite foolish and easily tricked. If you encounter one, just ask it to have a drink with you at the water hole. When the Mahaha leans down to drink, push it into the water and watch it be swept away by the currents. 
It's hard to say for sure, but based on the description of his victims, I think this myth emerged as an explanation for the contented looking, contented looking expressions seen on some victims who have frozen to death. Mm-hmm. Our next myth comes from Japan, and this one is a deadly monster as well. Yuki Ona. We haven't talked about her, have we? Sounds familiar. It does sound familiar, right? She'll pass. She can be a winter cryptid. Okay. If we have talked about her, my bad. We just have really bad memories when it comes to (laughs) shit. Okay. So... Yuki Ona, translated as Snow Woman, is said to be the spirit of a beautiful woman who's perished in the snow. She is associated with winter, and her method of killing varies with the legend. Some say she leads travelers astray, leaving them to die of exposure in the cold. Others say she'll cause snowstorms to freeze travelers to death. Others say she appears with a child in her arms, known as... Uh, you can what? No, no, you you can go. You can go. This child often wears a Yuki Mino, a conical straw snow cloak, traditional in Japan. Yuki Ona will freeze anyone who tries to take the cloaked You can go from her. Sometimes she'll even invade people's homes, blowing the door open and freezing them in their sleep. And other times she only kills men who who she successfully seduces with freezing kisses. The reason for her killing is not known. Some say she says some say she does it just because while others say she drinks the blood or life force of her victims. There's no mention of a way to escape the snow woman, but there are legends that reveal she has a willingness to show mercy. She has been known to spare people. One legend even tells of her sparing a young man due to his youth and handsome appearance. And later she marries him, but then she ends up killing him. Mm -hmm. Because she tells him that he's not supposed to tell anyone that she spared him. And for some reason, she marries him without him realizing it's her. And when he tells their kids what happened, she fucking kills him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Yuki Ona appears to be a spirit made to personify the coldness of winter that leads people to freeze to death. Our next one is an ice dragon. It's... A modern mythical creature not really mentioned until 20th century um, and created only as a foil to the traditional fiery dragon. But there is one myth that may count as an actual ice dragon legend. Yet another myth from Japan, Kurakami is a Shinto, 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 I don't know, I think it's Shinto. A deity and Shinto deities are Japanese dragons, with Kira meaning dark and Okami meaning water dragon patron. This white dragon is one of the gods associated with the valleys, as opposed to the mountains, hence the dark in its name, and is the god of rain and snow. It's said that Kurakami and his siblings, Takokami and Kiramitsuha 
were born of the blood that dripped from the hero Izanagi's sword after he slew Kagutsuchi, the dragon god of fire. However, temples of Kurakami and Takukami almost always show them together, indicating these two ju- these two gods are either the same god or twin deities. If prayed to, Kurakami can cause rain or snow to fall to water crops and is generally seen as a benevolent spirit. Though his wrath can be incurred, he was made to explain the cause of precipitation and give farmers a way to ask for it. Interesting. So the next one is a chinu. Also called the Kiwakwa or Abudakan, and bearing some similarity to the Algonquin Wendigo, the Chinu comes to us from the Wabanaki tribes of the Northeast U.S. Part of what makes it terrifying is that it was once a human being. So here's where it's like the Wendigo. Um, a human being who committed cannibalism or refused to feed the starving. This caused the human's heart to freeze and turn to pure ice, taking the shape of a small human figure. Once this happens, the person changes into a chinu. Chinus are giants compared to humans and described as both as being both man and beast. In appearance, the chinu is like a haggard, naked old man with wolfish eyes and may have chunks of flesh missing where it's eaten its own flesh. It will often cover its flesh in pine resin and roll in leaves and fallen branches to make a camouflage for itself in the forest. They live in the far icy north and venture down to people of the forest when hungry in order to devour them. Their human figure-shaped heart is the key to turning a man into a chinu and turning a chinu back into a man or just killing the Chinu, whichever is easiest. A special medicine known only to the tribes can cause them to vomit up the heart of ice and the hearts of those they devoured and become a man once more. But generally, saving the human is not possible, and sometimes might not. you might not want to. To kill the beast, one way is to chop it to pieces, but you want something easier and a little, bit gra- a little less graphic But if you want something easier and a little less graphic, just give it a bit of salt. The salt will melt the ice heart real quick. So the Chinu myth was likely born during a time or multiple times when food was scarce in the winter and not sharing food would kill people and desperation could lead to cannibalism. It's hard to say whether the Chinu was first created as a warning to people to share food and deter them from violent cannibalism, or whether the Chinu was first a real threat, a myth born of desperate starving people who turned to hunting and cannibalism, cannibalizing people of another group to survive. It may have been both. Also, some say that Chinu may have similar origins to the North American Bigfoot if such a creature is out there. Hmm. So, now we move from cannibalism to torture. This one's fucking nuts. So this is another Inuit monster that plays with its victims until they die. But its form of torture is much more sinister and nightmare-inducing than tickling its victims to death. Its name gives you a clue as to what it does. 
the Ikutak Ikutuyak. Ik yeah, Ikutuyak means one who drills. Ikutuyak and her unnamed brother capture victims and then take them to a ritual circle of pillars of ice, where the brother holds down the victim while Ikutuyak drills holes into the victim's body until they die. Mm. The bodies are buried under pillars of ice. This creature, despite being something out of a horror movie, is no threat now. In one of the Inuit legends, a hero managed to kill Ikutuyak and her brother fled in terror. No mm. such creature haunts the Arctic Circle anymore, <clears throat> according to that. Although, yeah. Although I've seen no speculation on it, I think the Ikituyak may have been a way to explain frozen human corpses found in the ice of the Arctic. Perhaps corpses that were thousands of years old, much like the many woolly mammoth carcasses that are found in the ice. Sometimes the ice freezing and expanding and then melting again within the corpse will create holes in the body. Interesting. Hmm. Mm. So... Here's another Inuit uh, myth, but it's the Iji Rock. Um, okay, so it's half man, half caribou child snatcher. Well, that's what, if you Google it, that's what it says. But um, that's not the right creature. The That creature that's half man, half caribou child snatcher is the terioxic which has similar abilities to the eg rock but it's not the same creature so the eg rock is said to be the spirit of someone who wandered too far into the cold and frozen waste and got caught between life and death some say it's a shapeshifter and can take any form though it can never disguise its blood red eyes in its true form it has the appearance of a person perhaps with a normal appearance or perhaps as a dark shadow with sideways eyes and a sideways mouth ew yeah hmm. oh i just remembered i was gonna show you the other pictures damn it mm. here here's the and then obviously an ice dragon and then the chinu ew If something was moving and it was as big as the trees, I would lay down Die. and bury mm-hmm. myself in the snow. <laughs> and this fine lady that I just sent you is the Ikutuyak. Wow. Scary. And now Evil. here is the... The E.G. Rock. Mmm... The sideways, ew. Mm-hmm. Okay. That would freak me out. Okay. <clears throat> Word. 
Um, it's said that you can only see them in their true form out of the corner of your eye. And if you look at them full on, they disappear. They are said to target travelers and will bring a disorienting disorientingous effect on them that could lead them far astray, even when their destination was in sight. Excuse me. Trying to keep the living from entering their territory. Sometimes, mm-hmm. however, they might try to drag the living into their realm of undead. Many experience memory loss after meeting one and only know of the encounter because they find themselves wandering where they weren't supposed to be. One explanation of this myth is the hydrogen sulfide that is sometimes expelled in the Arctic from melting ice. This toxic gas can produce heavy disorientation even when a person would normally navigate easily. The gas and sulfur smoke may also cause a person to see mirages, most often dark images out the corner of your eye. Man. They would get me so easily because I would be like, no, I swear, literally over here, there's somebody over here. I'd be like, follow me. And I get all all lost. (laughs) No, I swear, there's people hiding. Look, they're over here. And I just keep walking. Okay, so next is the myth of the winter barbagazi here i'm gonna Mm. send you a picture so this comes from the french alps on the border of modern day switzerland and france the barbagazi is a fairy or little person in this case a type of dwarf or a gnome they are covered in white fur and have pointed ears and a long white beard from which clumps of icicles hang which is where they get their name, meaning frozen beards. But their most distinguishing feature is actually their insanely large feet. Can you guess what they do with their feet? They sled. They do. They ski down mountain (laughs) slopes. (laughs) And they have been known to surf avalanches. Isn't that cute? That's so funny. In their few interactions with people, they are usually kind. They help shepherds find lost sheep, and their whistles alert those in the mountains of avalanches. These little beings can tunnel into the snow, and during the warmer months, they live in a vast network of tunnels and caves within the mountains, only emerging when the weather turns cold. Some even say they hibernate through the summer. Um, uh, they couldn't find this fucking article that i read they couldn't find the origins of the myth but little people are imagined the world over especially in europe so it doesn't it's not surprising that a group of people would invent a cold weather one you know right oh definitely so cute what a delightful little cryptid yes um (laughs) next is the yeti or Abominable Snowman. I was waiting. It's the mythical pre- creature most people immediately think of when trying to think of winter-themed mythical creatures. Mm. Um, one thing, though, pop culture usually depicts it wrong. You may think of this creature as having white fur, but eyewitnesses always say it has dark brown fur. And if you think that sounds a lot like Bigfoot, you might be right. The Yeti, whose name means snowman in Nepalese, 
is a creature said to hail from the Himalayas in Nepal, Bhutan, and Tibet. It's a tall, upright, ape-like creature. The Sherpa people of Nepal claim there's actually three types of these snowmen. Oh my god, I hate myself. I said Sherpa and I thought of fucking <laughs> Zach and Miriam make a porno. Mm-hmm. I'll be your Sherpa <laughs> up the mountain of gayness. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a coffee? Black? Can't you see me talking? White? White? <laughs> Zachary, we are. <laughs> Such a good one. Such a it good is. one. That whole fucking scene with Justin Long is literally the only reason I'll continuously watch that movie and over, over and over. Over I and over. I love him, dude. Oh, me too. I was, before we recorded, I was watching The Night Before. That's also very rewatchable. Especially for Christmas. Ah, uh, yes. God dang it. You better shut your mouth or I'm gonna fuck it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Put okay. that on the greeting Woo. card. <clears throat> we got it off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, there's three types of these Yeti snowmen. One is the Mate which is likely the creature we think of when we think of the classic Yeti. It's a three-meter-tall ape-like creature that walks upright and is covered in brown hair and is said to sometimes attack humans. Its Mm -hmm. name means man-bear. And now there's also the Te'ima, which is a bipedal, one-meter-tall ape-like creature who lives in the forest and valleys and has light, brown reddish fur and long dangling arms mm-hmm. some think that this one is the juvenile yeti and like that those are the juvenile yetis Related. and not oh, a separate okay. branch of the species but mm-hmm. who actually knows hmm. finally the largest is the zute which is a creature almost eight feet tall with a terrible smell it's often seen walking on all fours and is very dangerous So most think that the Yeti sightings are misidentifications of other animals, particularly bears, Mm -hmm. but others think that they may actually be undiscovered large ape species lurking in snowy mountains. The uh, Zute and the Te'ima may very well be real animals, though. The Zute is actually the Sherpa word for the Himalayan brown bear. And the Te'ima description matches that of the Asumas. Why is that? Oh, my God. Asumis? Asumis. Gibbon, which is a monkey. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a fucking monkey, too. So, (laughs) However, the true identity of the Mete and... Oh, my God. However, the true identity of the Mete, the the man bear, the classic Yeti, is still unknown. Some think it might not. Oh, my God. Some think it not only is a real creature, but is the same creature as the classic North American Bigfoot. What is known is that they don't like their picture taken. They sure don't. You know, I've seen a lot of videos. Hold on. Let me get readjusted here. Ow. I've seen 
I've seen a lot of videos of uh, like recently of people in the mountains and like far away you can see this huge ass thing mm. like walking up the mountain. Mm-hmm. And I think those are pretty like real. What the fu- I don't know. Like those trips. They me make out. you think. Yeah. The ones where it's in the forest and you see something like out the corner, those are stupid. Right. Because if it's so far, but if it's like so far away and it's large enough to see yes. Yes. and it's as big as the fucking rocks and the trees, it's really scary. Yes. Yes. And more believable because you're so far away. So nothing's going to happen if you mm. pull out your camera or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's less believable if the thing is looking right at you and it's yes. in the picture <laughs> right in front of you. I mean, I, I guess don't know just if I would risk. Ideas. Would you risk your life for the for the one shot? No. Of Bigfoot? No. Ooh. I would Skunk first ape. think it was another person that would freak me out first because I'd be like, oh my in God. In a gully suit? Or what is killed. it? Right. A ghillie suit or something? Yes. I always think that. Yeah, I'm like people are hunting out here. I'm about to get shot on accident. Yes, <laughs> I better get out of the way. <laughs> wrong place at the wrong time. <clears throat> um. All right. So then we have the Rim Foxy, which is the horse of Not, the goddess of night in North Norse. I do this every time with that word. <laughs> Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. The rim foxy means uh, frost mane, and he pulls the moon chariot. The frost from his mane falls to the ground below to make dew. That's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, the nickier is the Icelandic version of a kelpie, and the nickier is a shape-shifting water horse fairy that lures people onto its back only to run into a body of water and drown them. I feel like that is what was in uh, Frozen. Oh, okay. That's what they based it off of? Yeah. The sound of ice cracking over water is said to be the sound of the Nikir's name. Ooh. So it's like every time someone steps over them, they can hear it. They come up to get you. Stop it. Spooky. Next is the snow wasset. It's a Canadian myth. The snow wasset is a migratory weasel-like animal that hibernates during summer and hunts in the winter. I feel like that mm, is a real thing. <laughs> An animal or something? I mean, that sounds like a real animal. Probably. I don't know. People can claim things just like we claim the prairie dog is the welcomer of spring or whatever. The groundhog. <laughs> The groundhog? I'm sorry. Prairie dogs in Texas. See, my heart's still in Texas. I'm in Sandy mode right now. (laughs) Oh, I forgot you were in Oklahoma. It's weird. Next is a Japanese myth. Of course, we know how much I struggle with Japanese words. Mm -hmm. So I thought it's the... (laughs) The... Kama Itachi? Kama Itachi. And that is also a weasel (laughs) with sickles for claws who attacks the legs of unsuspecting victims in cold weather to suck their blood. Oh. Yeah, that sounds great. Ouch. (laughs) Next is the Weichuge. 
And that is a giant made of ice that consumes those who committed taboos. This mm-hmm. Athabascan myth is also very similar to the Chinu and the Wendigo. Taboo. Yes, taboos. Hmm. Next is the Dead Maros. You ready for this? Yes. Russian. Dead Maros. Maros. Okay, that was it. That was what I was trying to figure out. Tig Maros. Did that's because it there's like um oh how it's people, spelled. Most people say dead morose, but it's dead did, morose. Did, did, no dead yeah. Did morose. Okay, that's it. So that's the Russian Russian version of Santa Claus. Oh yes, okay. and. He's either called the Dead Meadows or Old Man Frost, and he wields <laughs> a magical frost staff. And he has a granddaughter helper called the Snow Maiden. Well, Aww. that's what her nickname is, but she goes by um, Snegorochka. Wow. That's her name. And she's commonly depicted with a long silver blue robe and a furry cap. So she's the daughter of spring and winter, and she appears to a childless couple as a winter blessing. This is like the fairy tale version of mm-hmm. her, but um, unable or forbidden to love, Snegorochka, Snegorochka <laughs> remains indoors with her human parents until the pull of the outdoors and the urge to be with her peers becomes unbearable. And then she falls in love with a human boy and she melts. It kind of sounds like um, The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Points are and everything. Yeah, that's the, that's the rule or the lesson that we always learn, isn't it, yes. people? People of all ages. <laughs> so the next is the Nisei. And that's magical little people of Scandinavian origin. These little bearded elves protect homes in winter and are the Santa Claus of Scandinavia, bringing presents to children during Christmas and Yule. I have a question. Do you remember me talking about the Yule lads? No. I could have sworn that I fucking talked about them. Maybe I Mm -mm. left them out. I couldn't hmm. find the fucking episode, though, so I yeah. put them in here anyways. I would have remembered, I feel like. <clears throat> okay, well, that's they're like the third. They're like down. So anyways, here we go. Okay. Um, Krampus is another. Ah. So this is the half-goat, half-demon counterpart to Santa Claus, whose name derives from the German word Krampen, meaning claw and is half goat, half man, monster hailing from the eastern alpine region of Europe. Krampus is rumored to punish children who have been naughty on the evening of December 5th, also known as Krampus Notch, which I think is Krampus Night. 
Uh, but it, the, he punishes them by whipping them, eating them, or dragging them to hell. His <laughs> benevolent counterpart, St. Nicholas, will then gift children who have been good on the following day, known as the Feast of St. Nicholas. Celebrations involving the two began in pre-Christian times as far back as the 6th century. Today, many European, European towns host Krampusloff or Krampus Run. <laughs> events where men dress as Krampus and run amok, causing chaos. Fun. Uh, people also send holiday cards featuring Krampus called Krampus Carton. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's fun. And now there's a German monster who visits children to whip them into place as a foil to Jolly St. Nick. His name is Bell's Nickel. Mm. And <laughs> Bell's Nickel comes from Bell's, an older German word for fur, and Nickel's as an as a nod to St. Nicholas. He wears a mask and dresses in full furs and is said to visit alone and quiz children before deciding to either reward them with a gift or punish them with a wooden rod. <laughs> Bell's nickel may have originated around the Middle Ages and is now well known across Pennsylvania thanks to German immigrants who moved to the area known as the Pennsylvania Dutch. Did you know that they were German and they're not Dutch? Who? The Pennsylvania Dutch. They're German? They're German. Whoa. They're called Pennsylvania Dutch because Deutsch or something in German mm -hmm. is sound, and it sounded like Dutch too. The word wow. sounded like Dutch to the other settlers there, so they called them that. That's funny. Interesting. That crazy. Yeah, I didn't know that until the other day. But um, and the Belschnickel is real. I only thought that it was a thing on The Office. Because <laughs> Dwight Schrute. That's it funny. was like telling everybody about it. Anyways, I was like, oh, cool made up thing. But no, nope, it's real. It's real. Very and, cool. And it's to the Pennsylvania Dutch. <laughs> so now I'm going to talk about the Yule Lads. And these are 13 mischievous boys, each with a distinct name and description, which I did not add in <laughs> here because their names are hard to. 13 say. of them. Uh, yeah, and then there's 13. So they cause mayhem in the 13 days leading up to Christmas. They dwell in a mountainous cave with their parents and cat. <laughs> um, Lepalul, I think that's how you say it. Their dad is lazy and stays in the cave, and their mom, Gryla, is a giantess who seeks out naughty children to add to her stew. If you have seen... Um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Mm -mm. Um, they have them in there, but they're it's like they're spirits. They're not actual like physical children, but they like fuck up your shit. They're mm. like little poltergeists, basically. Oh wow! Yeah, and Gryla's in there too. But um, yeah. So okay, and then their cat is named oh shit i forgot to look up what the cat's name is or how to say it we're gonna try jola cotterin jola cotterin maybe uh but it's also known as the yule cat 
The Yule Cat is a giant black cat who lurks the countryside to devour anyone who isn't wearing new clothes. <laughs> it's like, I, I think there's also a variation that's not just new clothes, but like the clothes that you got for Christmas. Ah, uh, yeah. Very specific. Um, the Yule Lad's first written mention was in a 17th century poem, and in 1746, the Icelandic government banned parents from telling scary stories about them to their kids. Today, they have the merrier connotation and are said to come down from the mountains to celebrate and entertain. <laughs> they had to change that. Yeah. Convenient. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Next is Frau Perkta. Frau Perkta, also known by Birchta and other variations, is a goddess from Alpine paganism in the early Middle Ages. She's associated with Birchtentag, or the Feast of the Epiphany, which takes place on the 12th night after Christmas on January 6th. Her name means bright one because, depending on your behavior, she could either appear as a bright, youthful woman or as a scary older witch with a long beaked nose, one large foot, tattered clothes, and a knife under her skirt. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Perkta is known to torment people who don't properly celebrate the 12 days of Christmas. And if you spun yarn on a holiday or didn't feast properly, Perkta was said to come to your house while you slept slit your belly, rip out your guts, and replace them with straw and pebbles. Wow. Yeah. I heard a creepypasta story about her, actually. It was kind of... Ooh. It was, it was cool, but it, at the same time, it was kind of dumb. <laughs> um, next is a Penobscot legend. Um, which is, I think they're a Native American tribe. But anyways, it's the Pamola, and it's the guardian of Mount Katahdin, which is the largest mountain in Maine. And uh, the Pamola causes cold weather. It has the head of a moose, the body of a man, and the wings and feet of an eagle. Mm-hmm. Next is the Scotty, and it's a Norse giantess associated with winter, wolves, mountains, skiing, and archery. Then we have the Hans Trap. Hans Trap, also known as the Christmas Scarecrow, was derived from the real story of a knight named Hans von Trotha. Von Trotha lived in the 1400s and got in arguments with the Catholic Church over property, which eventually led to him being excommunicated after he destroyed a dam that flooded a village. Excuse me. The legend of Hans Trapp says he was a greedy man who was exiled for working with the devil to get more wealthy. While exiled, he disguised himself as a scarecrow and snatched up children to eat. Then he got struck by a lightning bolt and died. But he is said to reappear in his scarecrow attire at Christmas time, preying on naughty children for food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this next one is also another Inuit monster, but I didn't find the pronunciation for it. Uh, not like I was fucking pronouncing them right before, but 
Um, I'm gonna try. It's the Koga Puck. Koga Puck. Um, and this monster lives underground to avoid the rays of the sun and comes out only during winter. Mammoth carcasses are often believed to be this creature and are likely the source of the myth. So basically, it was the mammoth. <laughs> the mammoth. Yes. Next is the Kalia, which is a Gaelic goddess. This mostly malevolent, malevolent hag is the queen of winter. She herds steer, rides a wolf, fights spring, and freezes the ground with her staff. Some see her as the protector of wild animals. I like her. The Kalia? No. And next we have Babe the Blue Ox. Aww. Which is the ox of Paul Bunyan, who is an American folk hero. Babe was found by Paul in a freezing cold winter storm, which is why he turned blue. Even after being taken in by Paul, Babe continues to love ice and snow. Mm. Next is the Cali Kenzaras. Cali Kenzaras. This is a Greek thing, but uh, it's a group of blind black goblins who live underground during most of the year sawing at the world tree a motif throughout various folklore that connects the heavens to the earth they emerge during the 12 days of christmas to wreak havoc and turn children born during that time into fellow kali kanzaras if you want to protect your child bind them in straw and garlic and if you want to protect your house keep a fire burning and place a colander under or outside the door the Kali Kanzaras will get distracted trying to count the holes, but will get lost at three because it's a holy number. Really? <laughs> Once again, with the numbers and the cryptids yes. and the counting. And next is the Losk, which is an old man winter spirit of Latvian myth. This figure has a role similar to the English Jack Frost. And speaking mm -hmm. of Jack Frost... He's next. So Jack Frost is a rather young legend, having likely arose from a British 17th century turn of phrase and kept alive by late 19th and 20th century American pop culture. He's a fairy, sprite, or spirit said to be the personification of frost, snow, ice, and winter, as well as being responsible for changing the colors of the leaves in fall and nipping at your nose, fingers, and toes in the cold weather. He has no clear-cut appearance, but most pictures, but most picture him as being sprite-like with pointed ears and covered in frost. He is said to make beautiful fern-like designs of frost. Oh no! <sighs> On window panes, but also do cruel things like shattered jam jars. Jack Frost has been made a hero in some stories, a villain in others, and still neutral in others. But always, he seems to be a mischievous figure. Today, Jack Frost can be found in numerous books, poetry, cinema, TV, and streaming shows and videos and computer games. Some of his more popular appearances include the DreamWorks movie Rise of the Guardians. I fucking love that movie. Uh, the movie Santa Claus 3, mm -hmm. The Escape Clause. The game RuneScape. Bing Cosby's song, Little Jack Frost Get Lost. Nat King Cole's song, The Christmas Song. 
and some of the Rankin Bass Christmas specials, including one titled Jack Frost. And you... of course, I saved the best for last. And it's a little, it's got a little bit more info than the rest, but it's because history.com was amazing with this info. Yay. But we've got Santa Claus. Oh, there he is. There Good he old St. Nick. So History.com says that Santa Claus, otherwise known as St. Nicholas or Kris Kringle, has a long history steeped in Christmas tradition. Today, he's thought of as mainly the jolly man in red who brings toys to good girls and boys on Christmas Eve, but his story stretches all the way back to the 3rd century when St. Nicholas walked the earth and became the patron saint of children. It's believed that Nicholas was born sometime around A.D. 280 in Patara near um what the fuck I I don't know why I did this near um Mira in modern day Turkey much admired for his piety and kindness Saint Nicholas became the subject of many legends it's said that he gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside, helping the poor and sick. One of the best-known St. Nicholas stories is the time he saved the poor, three poor sisters from being sold into slavery, slavery or prostitution. That's history.com's word. Uh, by their father, by providing them with a dowry so that they could be married. Over the course of many years, Nicholas's popularity spread, and he became known as the protector of children and sailors. His feast day is celebrated on the anniversary of his death, which is December 6th. This was traditionally considered a lucky day to make large purchases or to get married. By the Renaissance, when did you get married, Abby? On the 16th? 17th? Oh, never mind. I don't know 17th. why I thought it was... It would be the 6th. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the Renaissance, St. Nicholas was the most popular saint in Europe, even after the Protestant Reformation, when the veneration of saints began to be discouraged. St. Nicholas maintained a positive reputation, especially in Holland. St. Nicholas made his first inroads into American popular culture towards the end of the, or the 18th century. In December 1773 and again in 1774, a New York newspaper reported that groups of Dutch families had gathered to honor the anniversary of his death. The name Santa Claus evolved from Nick's Dutch name, uh, Sinterklaas. Klaus. Klaus. Oh. A shortened form of Sint Nicholas. Dutch Ooh. for St. Nicholas. Um. In 1804, John Pitcher, Pincher, Pintard, Pintard, <laughs> a member of the New York Historical Society, distributed woodcuts of St. Nicholas at the Society's annual meeting. The background of the engraving contains now familiar, familiar. <laughs> Now familiar Santa images, including stockings filled with toys and fruit and fruit <laughs> hung over a fireplace. In 1809, Washington Irving helped to popularize the Sinterklaas story. Uh, 
when he referred to St. Nicholas as the patron saint of New York in his book, The History of New York. As his prominence grew, Sinterklaas was described as everything from a rascal with a blue three-cornered hat, red waistcoat, and yellow stockings to a man wearing a broad-brimmed hat and a huge pair of Flemish trunk hose. What the fuck? (laughs) Gift-giving, mainly centered around children, has been an important part of the Christmas celebration since the holiday's rejuvenation in the early 19th century. Stores began to advertise Christmas shopping in 1820, and by the 1840s, newspapers were creating separate sections for holiday advertisements, which often featured images of the newly popular Santa Claus. In 1841, thousands of children visited a Philadelphia shop to see a a life-size Santa Claus model. It was only a matter of time before stores began to attract children and their parents with the lure of a with the lure of a peek at a live Santa Claus. In the early 1890s, the Salvation Army needed money to pay for the free Christmas medal or Christmas meals that provided to needy families. They began dressing up unemployed men in Santa Claus suits and sending them into the streets of New York to solicit donations. Those familiar Salvation Army Santas have been ringing bells on the street corners of America, of American cities ever since. Whoa. 18th century America's Santa Claus was not the only St. Nicholas inspired gift giver to make an appearance at Christmas time. There are similar figures in Christmas traditions around the world. Um, there's Christ Kind or Chris Kringle, uh, who was believed to deliver presents to well-behaved Swiss and German children Meaning Christ child, Christkind is an angel-like figure often accompanied by St. Nicholas on his holiday missions. In Scandinavia, a jolly elf named Yultomten was thought to deliver gifts in a sleigh drawn by goats. (laughs) English legend explains that Father, Father Christmas visits each home on Christmas Eve to fill children's stockings with holiday treats, and Père Noël is responsible for filling the shoes of French children. And this is my favorite legend, like from another country, that um, I'm going to go a little bit more into depth than what I did with Père Noël and the other ones. Ooh, I hope it's the one I'm hoping for. So, in Italy... Yes, La Bifana. Yes! La Bifana, a kindly witch who visits all the children of Italy on the eve of the Feast of the Epiphany to fill their socks with candy and presents if they are good, or a lump of coal or dark candy if they are bad. In many poorer parts of Italy, and in particular rural Sicily, a stick in a stocking was placed instead of coal. Being a good housekeeper, many say she will sweep the floor before she leaves. To some, the sweeping means uh, that she's sweeping away the problems of the year. The child's family typically leaves a small glass of wine and a plate with a few morsels of food, often regional or local, for the Bufana. She is usually portrayed as a hag riding a broomstick through the air, wearing a black shawl, and is covered in soot because she enters the children's houses through the chimney. 
She is mm-hmm. often smiling and carries a bag or hamper filled with candy, gifts, or both. And according, so I wanted to know like where her legend came from or like what her legend was. So mm-hmm. from Wikipedia, it says Christian legend had it that Bifana was approached by the biblical magi, also known as the three wise men or the three kings. A few days before the birth of the infant Jesus, they asked for directions to where the son of God was as they had seen his star in the sky, but she did not know. She provided them with shelter for a night as she was considered the best housekeeper in the village with the most pleasant home. The Magi invited her to join them on the journey to find the baby Jesus, but she declined stating that she was too busy with her housework. (laughs) Later, Labfana. Ain't that the truth? Right. Uh, like, I'm too busy to go find a baby shit. <laughs> Later, Labifana had a change of heart and tried to search out the astrologers and Jesus. That night, she was not able to find them. So to this day, Labifana is searching for the little baby. She leaves all the good children toys and candy or fruit, while the bad children get coal or dark candy, onions or garlic. Another Christian legend takes a slightly darker tone as Labifana was an ordinary woman with a child whom she greatly loved. However, her child died and her resulting grief maddened her. Upon hearing news of Jesus being born, she set out to see him, delusional that he was her son. She eventually met Jesus and presented him with gifts to make him happy. The infant Jesus was delighted and he gave Labifana a gift in return. She would be the mother of every child in Italy. Popular tradition tells that if Labifana spots that someone sees her, they will receive a playful thump on the shoulder from her broomstick as she doesn't wish to be seen. This Mm -hmm. aspect of the tradition may be designed to keep children in their beds. Another commonly heard Christian legend of Labifana starts at the time of the birth of baby Jesus. In this telling, Bifana spends her days cleaning and sweeping. One day, the Magi come to her door in search of baby Jesus. However, Bifana turned them away because she was too busy cleaning. Feeling guilty, she eventually decides to find Jesus on her own by following a bright light in the sky, which she believes points the way. She brings along a bag filled with baked goods and gifts for Jesus and a broom to help the new mother clean. Unfortunately, despite her best efforts, she never finds him. And according to this telling, Bifana is still searching for after all these centuries for the newborn Messiah. On the eve of the Epiphany, Bifana comes to every house where there is a child and leaves a gift. Although she has been unsuccessful in her search, she still leaves gifts for children everywhere because the Christ child can be found in all children. Get, I don't know. It is sweet. But... She's wholesome. <laughs> She's like a magic witch who wants wine and bread. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. My parents have a a stocking and it's a knitted stocking and her head, it has like her head on on it. And so she kind of looks like a witch. She has like a long nose and then like a red bandana on her head. It's cute. Oh my God, I forgot y'all lived in Italy. Were you visited? Um, I don't know. Probably. I would have been cute. I was too young. I would have said that. I think so. I think the landlords are the ones that really taught my parents about the culture and Aww. like the traditions and stuff and the candies and all that stuff. And then, yeah, there's breads. There's like certain Christmas breads. And yeah, you mentioned the epiphany. That's what Christmas Day is mm-hmm. in, over there. 
it's when uh, Christ is born or whatever. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, here's the end of the Santa Claus. So in the United States, Santa Claus is often depicted as flying from home to home on Christmas Eve to deliver toys to children. He flies on his magic sleigh led by his reindeer, Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, Blitzen, and the most famous reindeer of all, Rudolph. Santa enters each home through the chimney, which is why empty Christmas stockings, once empty socks, socks. <laughs> You're gonna say Dr. Seuss. <laughs> once empty socks, now often dedicated stockings made for the occasion, are hung by the chimney with care in hopes that Saint Nicholas soon would be there, as Clement Clark Moore wrote in his famous poem. Stockings can be filled with candy canes and other treats or small toys. Santa Claus is in it, and his wife, Mrs. Claus, call the North Pole home, and children write letters to Santa and track Santa's progress around the world on Christmas Eve. Children often leave cookies and milk for Santa and carrots for his reindeer on Christmas Eve. Santa Claus keeps a naughty list and a nice list to determine who deserves gifts on Christmas morning. And parents often invoke these lists as a way to ensure their children are on their best behavior. The lists are immortalized in the 1934 Christmas song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And I'm about to fuck it up for you. Because I'm going to say this in the most creepiest way possible. <clears throat> He's making a list and checking it twice. Going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. <laughs> That was awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> also, happy winter solstice today. Yes. 21st while we're recording. Yeah. Anybody have any big plans for the the longest night? Ooh, it would be good a good time for a bonfire. <gasps> that would be good. Stay up all night. It's the longest night. Tomorrow it's supposed to, or at least I'm not sure in other places, but um, in Texas it's supposed to get like fucking freezing cold tonight. Yeah, y'all be safe. Bundle up. Uh, make sure you have candles and batteries and food, um, water. Damn. Yeah, it's rough. It's going to be a rough little Christmas storm, mm -hmm. and we're expecting snow over here this weekend. Oh, it's going to be in the negatives, negative four by Thursday. Are your parents <laughs> going or no? No, no, no. Um, yeah, I don't think traveling would be a good idea, but I'll I have mean, to see yeah. them in the new year. But uh, yeah, it's just going to be us. We're just going to hang out, chase oh, each other around the house, as they say. Mm. Do y'all buy each other lots of gifts? Um, I I dread getting gifts for people, so I do not do any gift giving. I'm like um, Regina George. Are you I serious? I mean, I know I you don't them. like any gift, but you don't give Hunter anything. <laughs> I usually do. This year, I didn't. Mm -mm. Not a thing. <gasps> Just me. I'm gonna wrap myself in a bow. <laughs> 
his gift is me doing anything he says oh, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. You're going to snuggle up and do dirty yep. things to each other. Very nice. <laughs> How about you? Nice. Oh, you have a child in the nice. household. <laughs> Dang it. And the dogs. Everybody's fucking it's chaos. Shit, I, can just, <laughs> I can shut the door on the dogs. The kid is the one that will hear things. Comes a knocking. It's, it's true. Life. Good She's Lord. a teenager. She knows. But she also doesn't deserve to be scarred for life. <laughs> <laughs> you poor sure, thing. I feel like she has heard, but she hasn't said it to my face. So that's all that matters. See, that's called mutual respect. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's funny. Well, good job navigating that. Um, yeah, you lucky dog. You get to be fucking walking around alone, naked, just fucking alone, right alone. on the fucking kitchen. It's table. true. It's true, and I am very grateful. I am very grateful. I, you know, what's interesting is a big way it stands out to me is whenever we go out to eat, and I never paid attention to how I phrase, how I phrase it whenever I they ask how many. I always just say just two. I don't say two or you know whatever. I always just say just two, and that's gonna that's weird. That's weird that it's gonna change. Maybe someday oh i was like so right me? now no so i'm i'm enjoying that now like every time i say it i'm like that is nice that we are alone yeah enjoying enjoy each other them. it's nice so <sighs> i will say that is what i am grateful for the most um it's awesome it's awesome when you get along with somebody you know yeah this many I'm years jealous. it's it I'm was our <laughs> it was our six year an- uh, anniversary the other day I know. Marriage. So weird. I you, yeah, scary, you mentioned dude. that. That feels weird. It feels like ten years, but also doesn't feel like it's been ten years. I agree. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, nuts. So weird. Um, but yeah, and then it's my birthday next month, so it's just always a weird time for me personally around the holidays because I just know that it's I'm going to be older in one more month. How old are you turning, so, Abby? Twenty eight. Oh my God! You're still not fucking thirty. God, <laughs> I feel like I'm forty two, but um, but I I'm enjoying every it every time. I am gonna. I told everybody I'm gonna start telling everyone that I'm gonna be thirty, so that they can all be in on it and play along. But I'm thirty already, <laughs> so that it just it doesn't feel as weird whenever I am thirty. I'm like, oh yeah, been thirty the last three years. Thirty, flirty, oh, and thriving. I exactly. That's you. It was. I'm going to turn 33. And I actually. That seems like a lucky number. I feel. Yes. I have that same sentiment. That seems exciting. It's like a double digit. And three is one of my favorite numbers. So that's. Interesting. Yeah. That's one of my favorite numbers, too. Oh, um, wait, where are you? On 2023. Isn't that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Month of the ninth day. Oh my god! And it better fall on a Saturday. No, I'm just kidding. On a Friday. (laughs) Um, I think you. I think you were 26 when I met you, or 27. No, Uh, 25. Nope. Yeah, I was 25. Abby, I've been working there since I was 24. (gasps) Okay. Yeah, I remember. My Mm. God. We, because I was trying to remember, like, I was the age, I thought I was the age now currently when you met me, 
or whatever, but you, but no, you were, you were 25. <clears throat> I was 24. 2014 24. is when I started there. And my friend Megan too, our friend, our friend Megan. She was 20 Megan something. Or May. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Abby, yep. we've known each other for eight years. What We should have wrote down our friend, friend anniversary. Friendiversary. Friendiversary. Well, it wouldn't have been the first day I met you because we were scared of each other, so. Oh, yeah. No, we were not friends for, no. we were, we weren't even acquaintances that first two weeks. Well, the very first thing you said about me. Steer clear. Why should <laughs> I have to greet people? Uh, the new girl doesn't. Did I say? You did. did I really? You told Allie Ew. That. Where did that attitude come yeah, from? You told that because Allie told you something about not greeting customers, Uh-oh. and you're like, she doesn't either. Oh, that is the thing. That is the thing about all of us working together was like we didn't take it easy on each other necessarily, but also we were very tender with each other. Yeah, like, we were. If we knew something was going on, like in personal lives, we would know. Like, okay, let them go. You know, blow off some steam and I'll do all the heavy lifting today. (laughs) Except I do feel bad calling in. (laughs) Right? Every shift it was one of us had some shit going on. (laughs) Sorry. And sorry to Jess, too. Every time I called in and it was because I wanted to go fucking to the lake or something. My bad. You were dying with a UTI and she was like, you can still come in. It's just a UTI. (laughs) That was miserable. UTIs, dude, UTIs to this day that I wouldn't wish those on my worst nightmare. I remember. Those I are just like miserable. Like, quit letting Hunter spit in your vagina. Yeah, it was literally from that, from being degenerate. It's like disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we bonded, because he was spitting in places. <laughs> just being absolutely gross as possible. <laughs> literally one time we were in bed all day eating pizza getting high and having sex over and over in the same bed and hunter was like i feel like we we were so stoned that we were watching like jurassic park or something he was like i feel like this is how stds develop and i was like what do you mean like new stds create each other or whatever that's disgusting it made me feel so gross but yeah it's true at the very least created some sort of cesspool (laughs) something mutated in there Anyways, but yeah, and with UTIs, I mean, the, you take the freaking medicine, it's gonna be stronger the next time you get one, so you better make sure you don't get another one. Oh, Your freaking I didn't UTIs. Know that. Antibiotics, yeah, they will fuck you up. That's what was going on with me. They kept just giving me antibiotics, so each time my UTI was much worse. Um, <clears throat> I just because and so and to the point where they had to freaking give you give you a freaking uh, shot in the hip. Oh. Yeah, one time the doctor literally looked at me. He's like, I don't know how you're still standing, girl. That infection's bad. I'm going to need to give you a steroid shot this time. And I was like, ugh, that sucks. That but yeah, the amazing. over-the-counter stuff now that I would recommend, uh, I think it's called Search with a C. Search with a C. But anyways, that's a good one because it has antibiotics in it, but at the same time it has like cranberry and shit. So you're not just relying on only, only medication. Oh, that's interesting. I've only used it's- the Azos, the pain-relieving ones. Those are good. There's a brand that's next to the Azos that's the same. It kind of does the same thing, but it's with pain relief and a little bit of antibiotic in it. So it's kind of fighting it. So that way you don't have to go to friggin' urgent care. Knock on wood. Same here. Oh my gosh. I haven't had one in forever. I know. I can feel it coming on a little bit. um, And I'll like get in front of it before it 
it gets here because once it's here oh my goodness there's nothing worse than like having to pee and it's fucking little sprinkles at a time and fucking pain yes the pressure like you're on a roller coaster that's how i I didn't know how to describe it either i was like it feels like when you're falling on a roller coaster when you have to pee yeah it's the pressure it's weird yeah yeah and when men get it, I heard it, it's way worse because their urethra is like way longer. So when they get it, it's like bad. It's like up there, up there. Yeah. Jeremy had one when he was in high school and he thought it was a STD. Oh, yeah. Because it's like pissing needles through their little. Yeah. And turns out it was a UTI. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. Anyways, I don't know where how we got, I'm got not here, but sure UTIs. Somewhere down the road, it just escalated. UTIs are what women get when they're on the naughty list. <laughs> Santa's just giving them out. Santa says pee every time after, ladies. Every time. <laughs> Don't fall asleep because sure we'll come back to get you in the morning and water. drink. No one believes me that drinking plenty of water is the number one ultimate way to beat anything. Yes. Dry skin Depression. and water. <laughs> Headache, drink some water. No, I don't Don't listen to me. No, for real. It'll help. It'll help. But yeah, so that concludes that. Um, Is this our last of the year? Let me check the freaking thing. There's one more. Got one more? Awesome. So we have one more episode before we wrap up the year. Excellent. So yeah, next time I will uh, tell you something spooky. Cool. Well, everyone, that concludes our Christmas edition of our cryptids. That was very nicely done. And um, what else? Let's see. Don't forget to give us a follow over on Instagram and Twitter at G-I-M-M-E, The Creeps. Follow us on TikTok. Give us a review wherever they are provided and uh, make sure you tell your family and friends that we are all always taking spooky stories so fill up our dms and we will read them on the pod thank you guys so much for all your support thanks for listening so did we give you the creeps